Here's what's making news. Plus, the latest music out of the independent music scene with the Music Weekly. It's Friday, and you know what that means. You have to listen to me talk to myself for about an hour. If you're tuning in on the new, the brand new, in quotes, sexy website of Energy Groove, or if you're tuning in through iHeartRadio, welcome. This is the Music Weekly. My name is Jackson, and that was a classic 90s Australian track. I'm going to talk about why I played it a bit later on, but that was regurgitated with I Piss Alone, and the song is about not being able to take a whiz in front of people, because some people have those nerves. But anyways, besides that, I have uh, an interview with Ben Plant from Miami Horror to talk about his show tonight at the Metro Theatre and the singles he released, which was Love Is Not Enough and Restless, and... I didn't really plan much for the rest of the show, so we're just going to have a, a chin wag, I guess. I don't know. Let's see what I can talk about without sounding really weird and awkward. But anyways, we're going to go into a, a track by Tame Impala. This one is an old one. It's about 10 years old now since it's been released. And we're nearly at that end of the year. So this is Sundown Syndrome by Tame Impala. You run the Music Weekly.
is the Music Weekly. That was Sundown Syndrome by Tame Impala, and I'm going to quickly go through the new music, which there's not much of because we're at the end of the year. What's the point of releasing music at this year? It's a bit silly, but there are one surprise release. Uh, I'm not going to talk about that yet. The other... There's only one thing I have to mention, and that's Ocean Alley released another single, and it's been quite a few months since they actually released something, and... There was a description on it saying that it was a bit funky, a bit solely, and I, I gave it a listen. I always give them a chance, even though it's not my cup of tea, even though that genre is like my generic coffee that I have. And it wasn't funky or solely at all, and it just sounded really... I mean, it's, it's really pot calling kettle black to say... You know, it just sounds like a generic Ocean Alley track, but it actually did. And when I gave their last album a listen, it just didn't... You know, every song just sounded the same, and it just had the same sort of structure. They didn't... They haven't changed anything up, which is what is not getting me with them. And it's just a bit... I don't know, it's just not for me. But anyways, we had a new track by MGMT, which is surprise, which is a nice surprise. Uh, it's a very in brackets, said, quoted, trippy song. <laughs> They're not that kind of band. But yeah, I'm surprised. Hopefully this is something to look forward to for another album next year. I really hope. Little Dark Age was one of my top albums of last year. It was such a different pacing for MGMT, and especially with the new label now that they have that is ran by them. But we're going to go into the song now. This is called In the Afternoon. Miami Horror interview coming up right after this.
is the Music Weekly. This is the Music Weekly. Miami Horror are currently touring the US on the back of the second single, Love Is Not Enough, released off their forthcoming album. Recently, we caught up with the producer, Ben Plant, to talk about their tour. How are you, Ben? Very good. We're in Minneapolis right now, about to play a show tonight on our US tour, which has been really fun. And how is uh, the US treating you at the moment, and how's the tour going? Um, well, we haven't done a US tour for maybe like three or four years, and we decided that if we're going to do it this time, we're going to do it properly, and we're going to do it really well. So we, um, we've got these two new singers on stage with us that kind of do all the features, feature songs and things like that, and um, it's been amazing. Like it, it's a, I would say the best tour we've ever done. Yeah? So it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's really ran so smooth and everything sounds amazing and looks amazing. So, yeah, it's, it's really great. If this is our last tour ever, I'd be happy. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> and this is the same lineup that um, you'll be bringing to your forthcoming Australian shows? Yes. Excellent. So, um, yeah, it's it's a new stage setup completely, and it focuses more on kind of the collaborations and um, you know we've always had feature vocals on our songs, so it's kind of trying to it's kind of about trying to do that properly. Yeah, and tell us about your Live. new single, uh, "Love Is Not Enough." So um, obviously you have feature vocals on that one as well. Yeah, we had these two new songs the last couple of months, um, both a bit more R and B than usual, and. Um, just kind of inspired by the newer stuff we're listening to, which is a lot of like down tempo, modern funk, and um, you know a bit more kind of neo soul, Catron artery kind of stuff. So it was a way to to do that and um, in our own kind of way. And tell us where the or how the collaboration with Clear Mortify uh, came about for this latest track. Um, it happened pretty easily. Justin, our manager, just booked in a session, as you do in LA. We, you know, you tend to like work with a lot of people and just see where it goes. Um, and we'd already, I'd kind of had the, the chorus hook in that song. Then we'd kind of been writing the verse with these other, this other girl and guy, K Pack, C A Y P A C. Um, and then Claire came in and kind of finished it up with us, and her voice just sounded so amazing that. Um, there was no option, you know, to replace it, really. Tell us about the writing process of these two singles. Did you do anything differently compared to the last album? Um, every album and every song we do is pretty different in the way we work. Like, there'll be a song where I might write maybe 60 to 80% of it before anyone comes in, or um, in this case, we actually collaborated with another producer who had the guitarist for Restless and then um, Love Is Not Enough was kind of a sample that I found and um, I had that whole instrumental and then we worked on vocals with other people. So yeah, it just always changes around. For me, it's like really about if I have the vision of what I want the song to be, I kind of find a way to, to make that happen, you know, no matter who's involved. And um, do you want to talk us through what we can expect from the album? Are we expecting more collaborations that we uh, may be surprised by? That's the aim. Um, you know, as we've always been quite versatile with the direction, so I'm kind of, at the moment, I've just been through like a year and a half, two years of this this kind of jazzy funk stuff. Um, so we've got a few of those, and then we're going to go a bit more 
down a kind of like more emotional anthem that Miami Horror is a bit, use, you know, useful. Mm. Uh, sorry, people expect from us. Sometimes, Moon Theory, um, those kind of older songs. That that feeling I want to kind of recapture. So, yeah, we're probably going to have mostly that kind of contrast on the record, I would think. So the new album is scheduled for next year. Following up uh, All Possible Futures and Illumination, which both had a five-year gap between each album, is there any reason why you've waited five years for each album? Um, well, yeah, there is kind of reasons. There was uh, We did a side project um, that kind of was a tangent back in around 2012 and 2013, um, where two of us, we, yeah, we went off and made this kind of like psychedelic electronic record, um, you know, in the vein of Tammy Parler or something. And it just took two years doing that. So we, we kind of, and we just loved it so much that we um, put the time into it. But um, so that kind of delayed the Miami Horror album for a few years. Um, and then we put this EP out as Miami Horror in 2017. So um, it's not like we haven't released music in between all those albums. Um, it's just that we kind of, yeah, to, to get the, the full album done, like takes a while till you really find your sound and know what you want to do, really. And I guess as someone who, I guess, started it out as a solo endeavour, um, how does it feel involving so many other people now in this process, especially when it comes to a live situation? For me, if as a creative person, I would um, find that quite challenging to start with um, as a, I guess, a control thing. <laughs> Do you find something um, similar or, or have you been embracing yeah. it? Naturally, the control thing probably happened at the start. Um, I found that a little frustrating because it, was, it wasn't just working with other people. It was working with other people who really wanted to have their voice in the project somewhat, you know, um, mainly in the live show. So that was definitely a challenge. But um, as you grow up, you know, we were like 24, 25 at the time. As you grow up, you, yeah, you mature and you get along a lot better and kind of get on the same page. Um, you know, and we've had a few members come and go, but ultimately that's why I think like the position we're in now is a really beautiful one because it's, it's focused, centered more on me and Dan. And, um, you know, if we, if we change singers, that's, that's part of the show. It's kind of like someone like flight facilities or somebody like that, where you can, um, you know, you've got this music and you're representing it and however you, why you want to do that. So. Um, it's been a challenge over the years, but that's why I like this version. <laughs> <laughs> um, and tell us, with the new album, I'm really curious as to what you're, you've been listening to while you've been writing and producing this album. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually been listening to a lot of more underground electronic music for due to a side project of mine. So it was kind of like that, that feeling is definitely going to have an influence on those more emotional anthem kind of songs, I think. Um, and then obviously what I said before, like all the Catronada, the internet, um, uh, Genesis from Australia, you know him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just a lot of a lot of these more soulful funk artists that kind of allowed us to bring back that um, funk reference that we always had, but in a, in a new way. Mm. 
Now, um, also, just before we let you go, I'm kind of curious uh, as to how Peru and Ecuador went for you guys uh, earlier in the year. Um, how, how was that kind of leg of your tour? Um, that was really awesome. It was kind of the beginning of this new show, so we were, Peru was actually just a DJ set, but Ecuador, um, and we just did Mexico City to Corona Capital, which is their um, Coachella, basically. Wow. Um, and that was absolutely insane. Like Mexico, we get the the best response we get anywhere in the world. So really, um, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's basically like you get to be famous for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> you get, it's nice to get to experience that somewhere. Um, and they they just love music down there. And I mean, I've never seen people go that crazy before. So um, I was going to say, I was uh, they yeah. probably they're probably party. Australia has got to step up. <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. Um, all right, Ben Plant from Miami Horror. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on Love Is Not Enough and Restless, and yeah. we really look forward to hearing more from the album. We better get you back to soundcheck. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good right. luck tonight. Nice chatting.
Music Weekly. That was Restless by Miami Horror, and I have Bradley with me right now. Hello, Bradley. Hello, Jackson. Why have you dragged me on air? Well, I've deep-ended you because we're going to have a chat about a... (laughs) Don't don't ever use that phrase again, please. I'm throwing you in the deep end on a a clueless topic. Great. Because I just watched the, the recovery documentary just before. What? All of it? Yeah. I thought you said you hadn't watched it. Yeah. How I did just you want... have 55 minutes worth of time? I don't prepare much for the show. Evidently. <laughs> well, yes, I watched it and we're just going to have a bit of a, a chat about it because uh-huh. I don't think I want to chat about it by myself. Well, purely because you wouldn't have any idea what you're talking about because you're too young to remember recovery. I was more of a rage person. That's what No, was you on. were just a fetus at the time that it was on air. No, I... I well, wait, what year did it start again? Uh, I think it ended like when 96, I was... 96, 95 or something like that? I, I was around <laughs> when it was... Mm. But when I was younger, Rage was more what I watched on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. Right. For those who don't know, Recovery was uh, on the ABC here in Australia and it was a Saturday morning variety show which consisted of very young people being on TV and playing <laughs> a lot of live music and it was it was actually completely live for like three hours every Saturday morning. So it, it was very, very interesting to watch, let's just say the least. And we don't get anything like that anymore these days. No, we don't. It was very loose television. <laughs> um, and it was, it was for young people and it was kind of made by young people as well. So everyone on the show was finding their feet and being live TV. A lot of things went wrong, but uh, they managed to, uh, you know, recover, uh, so to speak. Now, what did you think of the documentary? I enjoyed it because, you know, recovery was one of those things that sort of, if it wasn't there, the Australian music industry would be a little bit different because it was a starting point for a lot of bands like Silverchair, Spiderbait, you know, Powderfinger was there. Yeah, certainly they were playing a lot of music and airing a lot of music that you wouldn't see on mainstream television at the time. And you probably wouldn't see that kind of stuff much on television today either. It was very unique and very of its time. A lot of alternative rock um, and a lot of bands, as you mentioned, that wouldn't have had TV exposure otherwise. Um, And it was really interesting because it was aimed at children, right? But they had bands like Metallica play, Public Enemy. (laughs) Friends of Rom. Friends of Rom, Green Day, (laughs) all of these really alternative rock acts that, um, you know... Most of the audience for these bands were probably still asleep on a Saturday morning. So, I mean, I'm surprised they didn't get cancelled after that Green Day one because there were so many F bombs Mm. dropped in that. I'm sure there were quite a few stern letters from very concerned (laughs) citizens at the time. Um, But yeah, I I thought it was a great program. And I think there hasn't really been anything on TV that's been the same since. Certainly not live, anyway. Not Certainly not live, because it was very edgy. Very edgy, uh, indeed. Check it out. It's a documentary on iView. It's called Recovery, the Music and the Mayhem. I think there's only one thing that sort of came close to it, but it wasn't live, but it showed the Australian scene, and that was Channel V when it had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, live at Big Day Out and all that. Well, yeah, I mean, Channel V probably captured a certain amount of what Recovery did. Um, I certainly remember when I was a teenager, Channel V was the first thing that I would put on when I get home from work, because for the most part, a lot of it was live, uh, there was great music, uh, and it was just really interesting to watch, because it, it had that edgy vibe and that kind of teenage vibe about it. Um, and a lot of stuff did go to air that probably <laughs> shouldn't have. But... Um, 
Yeah, like people making out with the host and stuff like that, like Yumi Steins. <laughs> um, yeah, and Andrew G as well. That were great um, at the time. But there was one thing from the 90s in Australian music that made me cringe a little bit. And that was the fashion. Are you kidding me? We were about five years you, behind. You look identical to what they look like now, Jack. What they looked like back then. You wear, Do you see any any piercings in my eyebrows? No. Okay. Apart from the piercings, <laughs> you look like the spiky you coloured have hair transported from the recovery set. <laughs> you literally look like the same person that would have been in the audience for recovery. Because a lot of us millennials want to look like the nineties. Why? Yeah, why? What is it about millennials that want that are so nostalgic for the nineties, even though they weren't really old enough to understand what was going on? Because we don't have jobs and have to go to op <laughs> shops to get flannels. It's horrible. Like I'm horrified that nineties fashion has come back. Other than the baggy t shirt, there's nothing redeeming about nineties fashion at all. Uh, and certainly the hair gel thing. That I'm so glad that went. But like some of the other looks, like yes, the hair gel, but also like the just the the weird jeans, the yeah. really short like tight shirts. No one really knew how to do jeans in the nineties, and certainly no one had to, knew how to do belts either. That was the thing. And what do you mean the tight shirts? So the shirts that would just like end right where the pants start, like those kind mm. of things. Like a lot of guys and girls would wear that. I think yeah. oh, it's a bit silly. The hairstyles was yeah. a bit ridiculous. Yeah, hair was a bit shit in the 90s, I will say. But, you know, that was the thing of the time. It made sense at the time. And the music made sense at the time. It all just, it was all of its time. And, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of angst as well. Um, but the thing is, you've got to remember, recovery was extremely popular because there wasn't really anything like it on TV at all. And remember that there really wasn't the internet at that time either. So people's source of music was completely different. The TV was probably, well, music television was certainly one of the main outlets to get your fix of music. And if you could see, like, your local band on telly, like Silverchair, just some Newcastle boys, like, you would be frothing. You'd be like, oh, my God, this is the best thing in the world. But Whereas I do now, feel... you're kind of like, oh, whatever. I can just look you up on YouTube. I do feel like it should make a comeback. I mean, it tried. Didn't um, ABC do a show? I don't know if they're still doing it. It's called The Set. Oh, yeah. And it kind of was trying to recapture some of that recovery but that was But that wasn't live, though. No, it wasn't live at all. But it was still a Saturday morning thing, wasn't it? I think so. I never paid attention to it because it was just straight... Like, think, it, yeah. it just goes straight to, you know, being on ABC iView. Yeah, well, it would, it would be live. No, it would be broadcast on a Saturday morning and then repeated, I think, in the evening. Yeah. Uh, something like that. But I think it was supposed to be some sort of recovery revival thing, but I'm not sure how that went. But the radio station we do not talk about mm. sort of just, they never do it right. I feel like ABC, like the ABC should really just get that back because I feel like it could work if you just find... Well, maybe we're in it. Stop being stuff. nostalgic for some other time that's long gone the times have changed, media's changed, the way that we consume music is different. Why don't we just embrace what we have now? And I can guarantee you in 20, 30 years, you'll probably come across some, whatever generation we're going to be calling them, the babies now that are going to grow up and to be like 20-somethings soon, they're probably going to be nostalgic for this time and doing weird stuff like, what, what's weird that we do now? Spotify things and... Get hooked on coffee. Get hooked on coffee and cry about climate change and things like that. <laughs> They'll probably be like, it was such a good time back then. 
<laughs> they won't, and you'll be you'll be frustrated because they wouldn't have been old enough to understand. Like I think if they redo it, if they ever did, <laughs> I feel like to modernize it, they should just live stream it. Mm. That would work, sure, in a way. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could. Um, yeah, look, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. If you want music television in your mornings, we still have Rage. So there you go. At like midnight. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There should be. There should actually be more Australian music on television, though. They really should. They um, should. And there's actually a campaign launched at the moment um, regarding commercial radio in Australia. Um, supposedly, they're going to be looking at some regulations and now is a good time if you want to have your say. I don't know where you need to go for it. Maybe just Google Commercial Radio Australia and you should be able to find it there. But it's you can actually go to a change.org petition as well to make sure that it's mandated that Commercial Radio play a certain amount of Australian music. Because at the moment, I don't think they are actually mandated to do that. I don't think any Top 40 station actually do. No, I don't think any Top 40 stations, but it should. Um, Besides in, one artist. Well, I mean, community radio, certainly. Um, I don't know if they're mandated to, but they do do a lot more for Australian music than any other I know there's one sector. In, there's one in Blacktown that has like a one-hour slot of just pure Australian music, but... Oh, I mean, certain stations else, really. do like 10% or 25% of their music, which is Australian, and so they should. And I think commercial radio should also follow that um, because we're in the country and if we want to support our arts... Maybe we should uh, be doing that. I feel like it would also go the wrong way too, because I think those commercial stations would just pick. They'd probably pick Kylie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like the 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 pop artist and the couch pop. Well, artist. look, they're still part of the music industry. Um, but my point is that there should be more Australian music um, on air, and I I think it's only a good thing if we do support Australian music, whether it is commercial or whether it's independent. Yes. But I think we should go on to uh, some classic uh, 90s tracks. Oh, right what now. have we got? Well, I did open up the show with The Gurge. You did. Uh, I was going to play that now, but we're going to go into a track by Franz or Rom. Oh. Uh, is there any coarse language in this? I hope not. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, cover your ears in case you're offended because Franz or Rom, they're a bit hit or miss with the language. But this is, yes, like I said, Franz or Rom, it's Punch in the Face. You're on the Music Weekly. Thank you, Bradley, for joining me. Oh, you're welcome.
much in that Pure hit music. Hey, we will pop up and insecure party. What's going on? This is Drizzy. All the artists you love, the hits you want when you want them. This is Energy Groove Australia. Mr. Kirk, Dexter's in school. I'm afraid he's not, Miss Fishmore. Dexter's truancy problem is way out of hand. The Baltimore County School Board have decided to expel Dexter from the entire public school system. Oh, Mr. Kirk, I'm as upset as you to learn Dexter's truancy, but surely expulsion is not the answer. I'm afraid expulsion is the only answer. It's the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Same, same, same. <laughs> That boy needs therapy. You're psychosomatic. That boy needs therapy. Lie down on the couch. What does that mean? You're a nut. You're crazy in the coconut. What does that mean? That boy needs therapy. I'm gonna kill you. That boy needs therapy. Granny Kazoo, let's have a cheer. How will I count three? That 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 boy boy needs therapy. He was white as a sheep. And he also made false teeth.
times of parrot talk. the avalanches with frontier psychiatrist another old classic who and a band who played on recovery back in the day uh it's eight minutes to six so i'm gonna really fluff something out right now and i hope uh i feel bad for everyone that was planning to go to lost paradise since that got cancelled yesterday due to the bushfires it is really unfortunate because it was so close to the date too and that company is actually going to lose a little bit of money which is very unfortunate luckily there's a lot of other new year's things going on so i've seen a lot of people in comments sort of flock over to you know field day there's also uh i think beyond the valley wildlands up in um in the queenslands or even uh the one in perth uh forgot they all have the same lineups honestly so if you it's it's very disappointing uh but you know what it's safer to have that cancelled and then be at risk for bushfires. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play a song by Ballpark Music before I wrap up the show, and it has a little bit of similarities, as in, you know, it's always nice to be alive, because it's rather that than to be burnt down by a fire. This is really awkward now. I'm gonna play the song now. It's Ballpark Music. It's nice to be alive. <laughs> Drop down from some other dimension 
That was Ballpark Music with It's Nice to Be Alive. It's three minutes to six, so it's time for me to get on out of here. I'm going to leave you with a track. Uh, you know, it was a really good one from this year. And just to say that my countdown will be next week of I don't know how many songs, because I don't know how long it's going to fill in one hour with it, because someone has taken uh, my the free time after me. But anyways, I'm going to leave you with a track by Cosmos Midnight. It could be a runner-up in my countdown. It could not be. you got to find out. I'm going to be stressing about it all week. So yeah, I'll see you all next week for the final show of The Music Weekly. And I'll see you then. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) 